welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. It seems straightforward. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But then came the zinger, and who is my neighbor? If you love generously, would you have to ask? Lead teacher Randy Pope brings us part one of the new series, Loving Generously, which covers Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. Thank you for joining us today. If I were to uh, ask you to ask yourself a question, here's the question and then how would you answer it? If you ask yourself, do I love in a generous way? Would I consider myself a generous lover of people? I bet a lot of us would, uh, would answer in different ways to different degrees. We'd qualify, yes, but, yes, kind of, and so forth. But uh, probably some of us would have a, a pretty good read on where we are in that, in that realm. And some of us may have a, a very skewed understanding of what it means to love generously. We're in a series that's a very, very important series because of the importance that Jesus puts on this subject matter of loving generously. It's a five-week series that we're in, and we kicked it off last week talking about the importance of loving generously. And when we saw the text, we realized that there really is nothing more important than loving generously. I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to the book of Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to rehearse quickly what we went over last week. I'm going to invite us to, uh, to look at your Bibles, if you have them, always bring your Bible, if you will. I think it's such a great plan to have your own scriptures. You can flip through them and look at them. Electronic or not, does not matter. We don't care. But uh, try to bring your word, and I'll have this here. Believe it or not, this is more for me up here because the text is getting smaller and smaller year by year as I'm reading. And this has just made it so much easier for me. But uh, uh, let's read the, uh, the text in Luke 10, 25 through 29. This is what we looked at last week. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. And we'll pause just to quickly bring you up to date. Lawyer, not a civil lawyer as we would think of it today, but this would be a a lawyer in the sense of an expert in the law of Moses. So this would be an Old Testament expert that we're talking about. And he came to Jesus, and he's really trying to, uh, he's trying to trap Jesus So I'm trying to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he is going to assume, I would think, that Jesus is going to say, Follow me. Be mine. Uh, Be one of my disciples. In some form, he was going to bring himself to say, Here it is. You just be a part of who I am and what I'm doing, and you'll have eternal life. Whereas as an expert of the law, he knew what the law had to say about how to find eternal life. And he's saying, let's see if this Jesus is going to say the right thing. And so Jesus, smart enough to understand, said, said to him, well, what is written in the law? He's, you can just see what he's saying. Hey, you're the law expert. You know the law of Moses. You tell me, and I'll tell you whether I agree. So he says, what is written in the law? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, 
you've answered correctly. Isn't that interesting? He says, I agree with you. I'm not on a different page at all of what the Bible requires to have eternal life. You said it well. But wishing to justify himself, there's an interesting statement to understand the condition of what he, where he's coming from. Uh, he still believed that he could justify himself, make himself right with God, by what he would do. Therefore, he asked, and who is my neighbor? He is still trying to get Jesus as he says, who is my neighbor? Many of you know that coming after this is the story of the parable, which is of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to look at that in just a quick moment. But first, I want us to just understand what was last week our first of five truths. I want to put it up so that we can just clarify it and then quickly move on. Number one, the practice of loving generously is one of two conditions required for eternal life. And hopefully you now have picked up. What are the two conditions? Love your God, and number two, love your neighbor. Now, Jesus and the lawyer are going to be on different pages in many respects. They both agree technically you keep the law loving God and loving your neighbor. But the lawyer and Jesus had a totally different view as to what it means to live a life of generous love totally different perspective. Jesus would be saying through this entire teaching that he's offering, he's going to be saying the reality is, yes, you do have to keep the laws of love. However, by your keeping the law of love to the best of your ability, you will never love God enough. Interesting Jesus was suspicioned that he was not going far enough with this idea of loving God and loving man. So he's being challenged by the lawyer. Jesus is looking at this man and checking his heart out and saying, you don't get what it means to follow the law of love. You're not loving enough. Jesus is never going to be teaching that, oh, you keep the works of the law and you'll be able to do it well enough, and then you become God's. You're in good favor with him. Not at all. He's going to say, in fact, you're going to have to come to me to be able to keep the law of love to the degree you have to in order to have eternal life. Or let me put it a different way. A tree's fruit is only evidence of life. A tree's fruit cannot create life. Do you follow that? That's the summary of the teaching of this entire text. It's interesting that I was having my personal time with the Lord this morning and reading some scriptures, and as I was reading through them, I came to a, a text in Galatians. And in Galatians chapter 5, it was interesting. It was the same exact question type thing. The question was about, you know... Uh, uh, how, do we, uh, uh, how do we have life? How do you have eternal life? I forget how it was, it was spoken. But the, uh, the way the text read was very intriguing. It actually read this way in, in Galatians 5.14. For the whole law is summed up in one word in the statement, and then it followed, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And I looked at that and I said, he didn't even put the part about loving God with all of your heart. He just goes straight to love your neighbor. Isn't that interesting? Why would he do that? I think what he's trying to say is, you got to understand the use of the law. The use of the law is not to get you to be able to keep it enough that you can know God, but you have to know God in order that you can keep the law to the degree that you would be considered a follower of Christ. I'll make that clear as we go. Let's look at the, uh, at the second truth we look at this week. The essence of loving generously is to love one's neighbor as oneself. To love one's neighbor as oneself. Luke 10, 27, we'll look at it one more time. It says, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and so forth, and your neighbor as yourself. Now think of it this way. The first thing he says, if you want to go to heaven, you got to love God. But he doesn't just say you got to love God. He said you've got to love your God, and then he qualifies it saying this, with all of your heart and your soul and your strength and your mind, that's how you've got to love God. So let me ask you, any of you here today say that you think that you're loving God with all of your heart and soul and strength and mind? I'm not. That's all the time. Perfectly loving God. Well, no, we don't do that. None of us do. Jesus knew that. Then he follows it with, and love your neighbor. But he didn't just say love your neighbor. He said, now let me ask you this. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? What a qualifier there. Love my neighbor as myself. Let me ask you, any of you love all of your neighbors the way you love yourself? I don't. In fact, I've noticed something over the years. It's just been growing and growing. I have fallen head over heels in love with me. I don't know if I have a wrong self-image or I have a healthy self-image. I don't understand, but I know this. I sure love me. I am. I'm going to look after me first in every respect. I really am because I love me. And I'll do incredible things to take care of me that, frankly, I'm not going to do for all neighbors everywhere. I'm just not going to do it. So I'm revealing right now, I'm not loving my neighbor as myself. He's not saying, oh, every once in a while, find a neighbor that you can and do it as you... No, he's saying, that's the way you love generously. You love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. Wow. And so, Jesus says, I got I to gotta teach you a lesson, lawyer. You better need, you, you got to understand something you're not getting. So he tells a parable, and it goes like this. Let's put it up. Beginning in verse 30, he says, Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. By chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. 
But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put, the, put him on his own, own beast and brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come, when I return, I will repay you. Now, Jesus is going to ask the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Now, the reason that this is so important to understand, or this is very important we understand, or we won't really get this, the Samaritan. You've got to know who the Samaritan was. The Samaritan was considered half Jew. He was half Jew, half Gentile. What had happened in the Babylonian captivity... Babylonians said after they defeated Israel, said, we're going to now take the best of the best back home. So we have the educated and the skilled people and all the people that could help us at home. We're going to take you into captivity. Now, you others that have no skills and no knowledge of education toward things that we need, we're just going to leave you back here. And you'll be the slaves to keep the land and to keep the place going and so forth. And we'll occupy over you and you will be our slaves. And that's what the Babylonians were saying. Well, then what happened is many years later, there is the release back to the home. And now here come the Jewish people. And they've got their, their Jewish heritage there through those that were left and they know that it is required that they not intermarry, that is, not marry anybody outside the Jewish faith. They came back and they found out that the Jewish people had compromised while they're in captivity. Their brothers and sisters over here had just compromised and they had married the very captors that they hated so much for what they'd done. And they were called half-breeds. That's the Samaritan. And they ended up putting the Samaritans all together in one place. And you literally would not even walk through Samaria. You would go around. If you were going north or south, you'd come around. You would not go through the Samaritan area if you were a Jewish person. You hated them. In fact, you would just love to see them burn in hell forever. They literally, they despised them that badly. In fact, when they had people that they wanted to really dig hard at and get to the very heart of their anger they could do this. They would say to their Jewish brethren, you know what you are? You're a Samaritan. And that was the greatest offense you could give, is to call somebody who was a Jewish person a Samaritan. When I was in elementary school, I remember, oh, way too vividly, and I, and I fear that I participated more than I want to remember. I don't know. But but there was a, a, a little girl in our first grade class, and up through our early years of elementary school, uh, she was the most unattractive, the most undesirable, the one that no one wanted to be friends to. And literally, uh, people would say, little boys would say to one another, when they really wanted to get them hard, they'd say, you know what, you like, and they would mention this girl's name. And that response would be, I do not. Yes, you do, and that's the way you could get at them, just calling them one that would associate with this girl. How cruel. But that was the way it was. So if you want to hurt somebody, well, think of the most despicable person and then try to align them together, and that'll, that'll get to them. That's the way they viewed the Samaritan. 
And now here Jesus, he gives this parable, and he looks over at the Jewish person, and he says, let me ask you a question. Which of these three was the best, Samar uh, the best Samaritan, the best neighbor? Which one really loved well? And you know that Jesus knew the mind of this lawyer who was thinking, I would have done what the first two did. And now he's having to put it all in perspective, and he's saying, I don't love as well as a Samaritan in the story loved, who is the most despicable of all people. I don't know if you're getting this or not, but I bet the majority here have been reading this story of the Good Samaritan all of your life. And I bet you've been missing the major teaching of the text. Probably we read it in a moralistic mindset and think, hmm, the parable was given to tell us to love better than we're loving. You need to love more, you need to love better. That's not what the text is teaching. What Jesus is trying to teach is you can't love as you must love to get to heaven. You're incapable of loving. Why? Because you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. So let me ask you this. Let's just evaluate our love. Uh, think about the love that he's talking about here. What this Samaritan did was to do that which is undesirable. When you come by, have you ever had somebody who's in your pathway, you've got somewhere you're going, you've got something you need to be doing, and you see somebody in a need, and something strikes you in your heart that says, I probably ought to stop and help them. Oh, but, and we got all of our reasons why it's not a good idea, and let me tell you, and maybe they this, and they should have that, and we should have, we've got to do this, and we just kind of brush it aside and keep going. Well, sure. But... The type of love he's talking about here is one that causes us to do that which is undesirable. For instance, forsaking pleasure. Do you know the only person that I really find myself truly, truly committed to helping when it causes me not to have the pleasure that I want? Uh, a few people around me that I love so much, but primarily me. Think about if, if I had cancer or you had cancer. Think about it and, and you enjoy your golf or your tennis or your exercise and all this stuff and the doctor says, you know, you can keep playing and keep doing what you're doing, but you're not going to live very long. But your particular cancer, I think we can... I think we've got an out of that cancer, but you're going to spend a year or so in chemotherapy and so forth, and you're not going to be able to exercise, and you're not going to be able to this and that and the other. What would you say? I'll give up my pleasure. Why? Because I love me so much. I don't want me to go through what cancer can produce. I want to fight the cancer. Or maybe risking reputation. For whom would you and I risk our reputation like the Samaritan is going to have to risk his reputation to do what he's doing? Why? Well, my goodness, I would do it for me. If you would too, let's say that you're a very attractive person and you've got beautiful hair and everybody else talks about what an attractive person you are and 
And your doctor says, by the way, when you take chemotherapy, you're going to lose your hair and you're going to lose weight and you're not going to look the same and you're not going to be as attractive. And so your reputation as a beautiful person is going to kind of be gone. Probably say, that's okay because I love me so much. I'm willing to risk my reputation of beauty if that's what, what it is. Or what about success, forfeiting success? How many people set aside a very successful career to fight their cancer? Why? Because they love themselves. They say, I want to I take care of me, whatever it takes. And Jesus says, that's how I'm saying you've got to love other people. And nobody does that. That's the teaching of the text. You can't. So Jesus, without getting trapped and saying, you better follow me, just correctly says, keep the law. But the only way you can keep the law is by having me, Jesus, keep it for you. That's the teaching of the text. That's how you love in a generous way. You get credited for being the most generous of lovers as you're trying to learn and be motivated correctly to love other people. There's a teaching many of you are aware of in Acts 1. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you know at the same time that we're credited with the righteousness of Jesus and get his generous love credited to us, at that same time we receive a new inner power to be able to do things that we otherwise wouldn't and couldn't do, certainly for the right motive, and that is to generously love other people. And so what we can do is we can kind of watch the fruit of the trees and say, do the fruit reveal a real love for Jesus or not? If not, the goal is not let's try to, let's try to, add, let's try to add more doing, 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 doing. No, it's let's go to Jesus and meet him better, fall more in love with him, and then have the ability to become more and more what he wants us to be. Do you get that? That's the teaching of the text here. Not what so many of us have probably thought for so very, very long. I want to close this thing out. Leads what I'm saying to these last two truths is what I've just been saying. We'll look at them later in the series, number four and five. Number four, one cannot generously love others until first being loved generously. We've got to find what does it mean to be loved by Jesus and with his generous love. Then, number five, after being generously loved, one can't help but to generously love others. So next week, you know where we're going? We're going to be addressing the question, who is our neighbor? The text ended before the Good Samaritan story. And Jesus, who is our neighbor? Who are we required to love generously? And what we'll see next week is truth number three, and here's the answer we'll explore next week. The rightful recipient of generous love is anyone who is legitimately worthy of compassion. And I'm going to predict that if I give a scenario of here is a person and I ask, how many of you think this person is worthy of generous love? A number of us would say yes. A number of us would say no. And we will have different understandings of who it is that we should stop on the roadside and help. And next week we'll explore that, okay? I want to introduce the film that's about to be shown. 
If you were here with us last week, you understand this. If you're a newcomer, we're showing uh, a little piece of a, about a 35-minute film. It actually has five little pieces to it, about seven or eight-minute pieces that each have their own name. This week is going to be entitled For Sale, the name of this. A few of the members of your church have created and, and done these films, and now they're being used in very broad ways. Many, many, many churches across Atlanta are using these even as we are right now. There was a previous series of films that I preached out of a year or two ago, and it was called Living Generously. It's amazing, the, uh, many, many of the same characters and all are, are being used to carry on a, a beginning story from Living Generously. And I say that because I would really encourage you to go online to perimeter.org slash living generously. And the owner of the film has said, you know, feel free to use it for just the time period of this series so you can go back and get to know the characters, which are really helpful. Very, very helpful. So I hope you'll do that at some point in time. Go back, and that's not loving generously, it's living generously. You can get what we're doing on our podcast, or you can go to perimeter.org slash loving generously and get the teaching and the video or the uh, movie, the film that goes with it week to week as we go. Okay, my apologies if we didn't have it up last week when I said on Sunday it didn't come up till Monday or Tuesday, so some of you looked and couldn't find it, but I verified it is up and available now. I think you'll really find it helpful to look at the beginning of the first five, but don't have to, but we'll introduce you now to this. So here's how I'm going to help you that weren't here last week. I am going to simply read to you previously on 24... on. Um, loving generously. It goes like this. Last week, our two main characters, Frank and Cassie Donovan, hosted a fundraising banquet for the local soup kitchen. However, at the prompting of Frank's good friend and former gardener, Ray, the guest list included soup kitchen recipients, the homeless and the poor. Well, this biblically supported gesture did not go over well with the other half of the guest lists, especially Victoria, causing her and many of the others like her to leave the banquet before it even began. As the night came to a close, a young woman from the soup kitchen named Julia announced that she was in dire need of an immediate place to stay or she would find herself living on the streets. Frank and Cassie insisted that she come and live in their guest house off the back of their garage. I didn't realize how long it had been since we'd used this room. We'll get the cleaners to come by tomorrow. Oh, please don't do that. I can clean it. And we'll get some new furniture this weekend, as long as you don't mind using a little bed until then. Oh, please, that's great. Honestly, I'd really rather you didn't buy new furniture just for me. at least let me look around the house and find some stuff that we're not using. I know it's only temporary, but I want it to feel like home. Sure. <laughs> Great. Come on. It'll be fun. All right. You're not addressing the ball properly. How exactly should I address it? Your Majesty? Flattery never hurts. <laughs> if you're serious about learning this game, I would not be listening to this man. Hey! Ray, this is Mark Silva. Mark and his wife are some of our first friends here at the club. Oh, nice to meet you. 
Yeah, that was crazy last night, wasn't it? We thought the club had double booked the room or something. Yeah, it was a little hectic at first, but I thought it turned out great. Did you meet anybody interesting? <laughs> yeah. If you can't go to the circus, just bring the circus to you, right? A little awkward. Maybe he just needs a little help uh, learning a new stroke. In the meantime, we should really try to get all the circus clowns back together again sometime. <laughs> oh, okay. That was all sand, right? Okay. It's a start. I didn't realize I was checking into the Hilton. Please. I could make a pile ten times this size, just with stuff we haven't used in years. <laughs> you know that verse that says if you want to be perfect, sell everything and give it to the poor? Some days that sounds so perfect to me. Well, thank you for letting me use some of it for a little while. Hey, what's this? That, my dear, is exactly what I'm talking about. That's a watch winder. A what? A watch winder. You put your watch in there and it keeps it wound. Isn't that what a battery's for? Not if you have a fancy watch that doesn't use a battery. Then you have to wind it manually. So, so this is... To, to keep you from winding it manually. <laughs> well, I don't think I'll be needing that. <laughs> Trust me, neither do we. <laughs> what is it that they say the stuff you own ends up owning you? Hopefully we're a little better about how we spend our money. Our time, on the other hand... Hey, Evan, I want you to meet... Oh. <laughs> you know, in my neighborhood, if we have stuff we don't need, we just have a yard sale. That sounds like fun. Yeah, imagine how that would go over with the neighbors. Hey, have you seen Evan? Oh, hey, Julia. Hi. Oh, wow, I forgot about all this stuff down here. Hey. Hey. You know how we're always talking about simplifying? Yeah? Julia just had a really interesting idea. Hey, buddy, what you got there? Hey, how much is that? Uh, let me see, it says 75, but I don't know how to get it out of here. Would you do 30? Also, the monkey comes off if you don't need a lamp. More? Got a pair. Yes, that looks nice. Well, I guess Victoria's not in the shopping mood. Well, look who's having another party. Hey. 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 What's going on here? A yard sale. We're trying to downsize it. Huh. You're welcome to take a look around. We can cut you a special deal. Are those some of the same people from the soup kitchen again? Yeah. Oh, you mean the circus? Allison, hey! Uh, hey, you want to meet Julia? Sure! Oh, sweetie. <laughs> I don't think that's such a good idea. Mm. They have company. Are you sure you guys don't want to stay for a while? Uh, well, we do need to get together, but maybe when things aren't as crazy for you guys. So, uh, hey, good luck with your yard sale. Right here. Well, Frank, uh, you didn't sell all your possessions, but it's a start. Good. Give it to the soup kitchen. Hey, 
Hey, Mom. What do you want me to do with this? Oh, please don't tell me that didn't sell. No. <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, so my mom says you got kicked out of your apartment or something? Megan. No, it's okay. Uh, it wasn't really my apartment. What do you mean? I made some really bad choices when I was your age. And... Then I, I made some worse choices to deal with my earlier mistakes. Um, there was a man who said if I worked for him and did what he asked me to do, he would give me a place to stay and take care of me. So why'd he kick you out? Because I met the most wonderful man in the world. Thomas over there, he helped me find a way out from doing what I was doing. He, it didn't make this other man very happy. He says I owe him a lot of money and he's getting aggressive. So your parents gave me a place to live so he can't keep bothering me. I'm really sorry. Thank you. As much as suitcase should appreciate it. I think we're going to have to turn down this particular donation. Looks like we're going to have to find some other use for those funds. Thomas, can I talk to you for a second? Perfect day, Frank. Perfect day. Think of the text that we've looked at and uh, the importance of, of having the credit given to us of being generous lovers, but it doesn't stop there when we come to faith in Christ. Then we want to learn to work out our own salvation. He works it in, and then we work it out. That means different things to different people, how we work it out and what he prompts us to do and where we go about to do those things and how much we do those things. That's that's something that's very individual. But I bet with all of us, we know what it is to have that prompting of the heart to say, you've got so much. How could you use it better to others' needs? I don't know what it may be, but you may take your little insert home with you, read over it, and just a couple of ideas are given there. Maybe, maybe God would put it on some of our hearts to take some of the abundance that we have and to think, how can we redirect it and make it, put it to a lot better use, much of it's stuff that we don't even need and and certainly don't even think about. Maybe some of us would have a garage sale. Who knows? But I just invite all of us that have met Christ, we understand what it is to be credited with his righteousness, now considered a generous lover by our Christ himself. But now to work it out, what does that mean? I don't know. But I bet God will touch our hearts individually. And let's just see this week, if God wouldn't put one thing on each of our hearts to say, here's one way that I could generously love somebody else. With that in mind, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you again for opportunity to come together on this year Lord's Day, to be able to invest our time and thought into the teaching of your word and to see what it is you have to say. Thank you that you haven't just told us week in and week out through the teaching of your word that you don't just instruct us to do, 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 but to keep in mind what you've done already for us.
May each of us, Father, find that the most important, captivating truth of all. And out of that, Father, let us go do the things that would honor you. Bless that and show us what that means this week. We want to be generous lovers as we walk out of here carrying the name of Christ. Blessed that end, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.